everyone, welcome back to another episode of Feeling Sticks Podcast. I'm V and I'm here with my co-host Coda. Hi Gorge. How are you? I'm good, how are you? Welcome back to the Netherlands, by the way. Thank you, happy to be back. How are you? Managing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, barely getting through. Mm, barely getting through, but getting through. Same here, honestly. Um, Let's jump right into it. Today we are talking about sex, but the grittier side not talked about enough, which is female sexual liberation. Yeah, hot and heavy. So first thing, I want to talk about how men are pissed about, you know, women making money off of their sexuality, like on OnlyFans, on Twitch or any like streaming service. So this topic came up to me because one time in my class recently, we were discussing intimacy and online culture. And this one dude said something like, female streamers have it so easy because they can get a lot of views from just being pretty and sexy. And obviously, I was boiled. Because first of all, if you think that being pretty and sexy is easy... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you have it easy mm. and like secondly i like i was so taken aback by how he could just say that being a fucking master student in online culture and media mm-hmm. that's like something a high schooler would say mm-hmm. you know yeah and and obviously i like i shot back at him but immediately after he had said that i could think of like a hundred reasons why this is like merely a product of the patriarchy. But all he thought was like, damn, women have it easy. Yeah. Like, sir, <laughs> do you ever wonder who enabled it? Yeah, like who made it easy? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, this is literally the face of science and academia. And it's so fucking disappointing. The lack of critical thinking, honestly. Every time I hear oh, no. someone says sex sells, I'm like, okay, well, who's buying? yeah think about who's buying yeah it's interesting that you brought up OnlyFans and Twitch and this is something that has been going on in my mind for a while now how in the current cultural zeitgeist OnlyFans and Twitch and similar I guess sex work platform is almost synonymous to female sexual liberation and have we ever really thought about why that is like why is female sexual liberation equal to promiscuity Mm -hmm. in sex work. Do you know what I mean? And I think (laughs) deep down, it's truly a marketing ploy by Mm -hmm. patriarchy, obviously, and capitalism. And the face of it happens to be women, unfortunately, you know, the women who actually do the marketing for this because we don't know any better. I'll go into that deeper in a minute, but I just want to preface a little bit about like OnlyFans because I don't think a lot of people know who is in the board of directors. So 
OnlyFans was founded by Stokely Father and Sons in 2016 and two years later was bought by a Florida-based internet porn baron named Leonid Ratvinsky. This man literally makes Andrew Tate look like a feminist. He has an extensively shady past running an empire of websites that grant access to porn sites, including ones that were advertised as featuring minors. These sites redirect users to middleman sites that openly cater to pedophiles and illegal gray market activities. So with someone like that in the board of directors, of course, OnlyFans wouldn't run into issues with underage performers, right? Like, Mm -hmm. it's not like the site wouldn't independently verify the age of people who register and it's so easy for people to lie. Like, it's not like their efforts to protect minors are as minimal as the Canadian Center for Child Protection described, right? Um, (laughs) Jesus Christ yeah so with OnlyFans rising to extreme popularity over the pandemic many women turn to capitalize sex work on their own terms with a platform then comes the glorification of OnlyFans because on surface level it's now synonymous to women taking charge of their own sexuality and emptying men's wallets at the same time and funneling Mm -hmm. in are minors being groomed by the internet because they saw how bad bitchery it is to be a woman stomping on men in nine-inch heels, and now they need to be sexually liberated as soon as they turn 18, if not sooner. Mm -hmm. But, like, how can you be liberated when you're always in the shackles of gender power dynamic? You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I recently watched an episode of Bobo's Void podcast, which I highly recommend, by the way. And a quote that stuck with me was, woman's capital is her beauty, or in this case, sex appeal. Men's capital is capital. They're giving us monopoly money so that we think we're playing the big game where they were the one funding the game all along. And this is what I meant by why the current modern culture of sex work is a marketing ploy by patriarchy, but the forefront of that campaign are Mm -hmm. women on the internet. Yeah. It's like a Ponzi scheme. I think that's the best way to put it in my head. Mm -hmm. So instead of like some musty manager at the strip clubs taking a cut of your tips, this is now some pedo enablers at the top taking 20% of your earnings. Of course, it feels like you have more agency as a sex worker because There's no bald director screaming you lines behind the camera and forcing you to perform. But instead, you're performing at the request of your loyal patrons with niche kinks and fetishes, and you're allowed to say no as long as you're making enough to sustain yourself. Mm -hmm. It's the illusion of choice. No matter what Mm -hmm. you do, sex work has always involved the male gaze, and you, the voyeuristic performer, doing your job, knowing a man is watching you. Sex work should be legalized, but never glamorized because there's no real empowerment for women at the end of the day. You know, it's a Mm -hmm. job and like every other job, it has its own mental and physical toll, except, you know, way less protection and benefits. I completely agree because I have seen numerous TikToks and like reels of strippers and OnlyFans creators sharing their experiences with like how much money they make and they just make it seem like it's like a low effort high reward kind of job of course like they share the shittiest most disrespectful things they encounter while doing their job as well 
But I think that side is usually taken less seriously because there's always like a bit of humor involved. And I like the point you made that the internet kind of groomed minor into mm. thinking, into glamorizing this industry. And it doesn't only affect minors, it affects like adults <laughs> with, yeah. you know, critical thinking as well. Because there was a point where I was broke and I didn't have time to have a part-time job like I would usually do, like working at a restaurant or something. So I seriously considered selling feed pics because I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, might as well make bangs off of men. Mm -hmm. um, but that was like the only thing I thought of. I'm like, you know, let's exploit the patriarchy back. Mm -hmm. But I didn't think about everything else behind it. And I know that a lot of my friends think the same. But then I started to actually look into it. And I realized that it's it's really not what it seems. And it's dangerous how a lot of people, especially minors, think the same way that I did. And the point you said where people tend to look at sex work as female liberation and it's like putting women on the forefront of this whole thing. I think it's just they really do it on purpose because mm. they kind of use women as shields and they make it seem like it's our choice when we do this. So it's easier to shift the blame on women when something actually happens, like mm -hmm. shift the blame on I don't know, minors and saying that it's their fault, that they choose to liberate themselves so early, blah, 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 instead of, you know, criticizing the system because it's more convenient for them that way. Mm -hmm. And there's no need of addressing female exploitation as a patriarchal product. Mm -hmm. And I like to think of this like liberation as a multiple choice question. It's like there's no right end for the correct answer, but mm -hmm. they give you a certain amount of options that you can choose from. And the only way for you to possibly get the right answer is to mm. choose one of the options. And you just don't you just don't have a way out. Yeah, I think it's very interesting that you brought up how we want to exploit the patriarchy back because the lived-in female experience is literally one sucker punch after the other. So we're always deep down want that revenge. And I think this is sort of like the first immediate thought that we could think of, you know, like, because we're sexualized so much, we're, we're dying to take that control back, we're dying to take that agency back. And this is the mm -hmm. first lifeline that we found. And we just want to grab it immediately without thinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And it makes sense. And also, again, like, the, it boils, it always boils back to capitalism. But like, like who's the poorer population of the world, right? Obviously, like mm -hmm. women of color, trans women, and those people happen to be the most sexualized and fetishized mm -hmm. group as well. And the fact that they sometimes have to turn to sex work in mm -hmm. order to sustain life, mm -hmm. it's not a coincidence how that stereotype is perpetuated. But instead of it being perpetuated by man, it's now the woman perpetuate their own stereotype because they're forced yeah. to, you know? It's just like a yeah. cat and mouse game. It, there's no way out for being a woman yeah it really is the illusion of choice it's like mm -hmm. you think you're winning the system but no yeah. like you said it's monopoly money mm -hmm. this is a really good segue into sexual liberation in minors because this is something that i not only am passionate about but something that i observe over the years not just with other people but with my own lived experience as well 
And you see it all the time on social media, right? With kids twerking on TikTok and posting thirst traps on Instagram in order to reclaim their sexuality because, again, fuck you, patriarchy. But this has been said, and I will say this again, you're 16, you don't need to be sexually liberated. If anything, when you're underage, you've already been over-sexualized enough by adult men. Mm -hmm. Like, think about the time that you were 17 when you're underage. Like, that's like when you get catcalled the most, right? I remember walking home from school in high school when we had to wear uniforms. Especially when we wear uniforms. Yeah, like, we are over-sexualized to the ninth. And so... Being a minor, again, like you playing dress up in BDSM gears and the littlest of outfits doesn't mean you're taking back control. That's why pedos on the internet are so comfortable now because such underage content are readily available everywhere under the guise of this new wave feminism. When you're a child, please stay that way for as long as you could, even when you turn 18, because you won't magically know all there is to know about taking agency in female sexuality. Yeah. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. because it's not taught and it's not talked about enough. For sure. I mean, yeah. this is okay. I feel like it might get misinterpreted into like us victim blaming. Yeah. But if I get your point correctly, I mean, um, we don't educate children well enough. I know. Like, I, I understand, you know, like to a lot of people, I may sound like a prude right now or like victim blaming, but like, here's the thing. People often misconstrue victim blaming with protection. Like, you're a child. You need to be protected. I'm sorry, that's just the truth. Like, unless you're able to register to vote, like, you're going to be under some sort of legal protection. Mm -hmm. I sound like a prude, but I will pull the back in my ye old days for as long as I could, if that means protecting minors. Because, again, my journey with discovering sexuality and reclaiming sexuality might be a common theme for a lot of people who grew up with the internet. So this is something that I never talked about, but I think it's important to shed light on. And I'm at that age where I have time to like reflect and heal yeah this is my story honestly this sounds way too serious but like this is just my experience Mm -hmm. so I grew up super ugly and I had like a major glow up when I was about 17 so Mm -hmm. I was so not used to getting the type of male attention that I got and it was so much at the time that I didn't know how to navigate because the concept of anyone taking an actual interest in me was so foreign Mm -hmm. and with that kind of naivety my first sexual experiences were absolutely traumatic and it took away any little confidence I had in myself. And I felt like a part of me was stolen and I was confused. I was angry and mostly ashamed. I was ashamed because at the time I felt like it was my fault for being naive. So I decided to go all the way to the deep end and be the opposite of that in order to reclaim my power, which I think is the trap that most minors nowadays get stuck in right yeah and like I said when you're underage what the hell do you know about taking agency right Mm -hmm. I was basically playing pretend to get the confidence I wanted when mingling with men and I thought I was playing them and I was sold on my own acts and the internet also normalized having a roster of men at all times so I felt so empowered whatever the fuck that meant at the time to me And these men that I was talking to are older than me 
and had money and power. So of course they saw through my act, right? They played the game and let me think I was in control. It was literally grouping 101. So for the longest time, I didn't know why I felt so used, even when I was the one seeking out these experiences and I was the one making the call in what to do. If being sexually liberated is so empowering, why did I hate myself for years and develop a self-destructive tendency with sex? You know, why did I use my sexuality to fish for external validation to make up for the lack of self-love? Like, why did I never find that stolen part of me? And the men I thought I played walked away scot-free. I, on the other hand, felt more lost than ever. And I think the moment my relationship with sexuality started to heal was when my current relationship reached a stable point. So past talking stage, past dating, when it became clear that we are committed partners who are here to stay and allow each other to grow individually. So I had some time and space to do the shadow work and understand that I don't need to weaponize my sexuality for love. Mm -hmm. And once I found empathy and confidence for myself, sex became less of an intense thing. And when I have sex, I feel like I'm actually in my body experiencing this rather than being checked out as I transform into another persona in the past. So Mm -hmm. if you're taking away anything from this never before seen vulnerability from me, take this. Mm -hmm. Sexual liberation does not mean promiscuity. It could involve promiscuity, but it can also just be the learning that you do on your own. Read up on female sexuality because God knows how little it is known. Explore with toys at your own safety. It could also be celibacy and not feeling pressured to perform sex. It means a number of things to different individuals. And I think it's time we stop associating it with the whole phase exclusively and start Mm -hmm. finding out what sexual liberation means to each of us. That's a very beautiful story. Thank you. Well, it was not beautiful for my part, but <laughs> yeah, no. But <laughs> you know what I mean. I know. I, it's I know beautiful you that you were vulnerable and that you shared this in this kind of sisters talk. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be minors as well. It could just be people our age or even older who are still on their path of healing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, we hope that, you know, we brought some inspiration or empathy or whatever it is we can to you to help you heal. Um, speaking of, you know, everyday female sexual or non-sexual experience, let's talk about sexual assault so (laughs) (laughs) if you're Vietnamese I'm sure that you have heard of the recent military case in Vietnam Um, and just just for the context so recently there has been reportedly a case of sexual assault in this military school and the victims were yeah reportedly assaulted by male military teachers And even though it has officially been debunked, 
for the love of God, we hope that the rumors aren't real at all because it's too serious of an accusation to make, especially against the military, you know? So yeah. it must have been something fucking terrible for whoever decided to speak up to speak up. Yeah. Like personally, I have never been to an actual military training mm-hmm. like they did because I didn't go to university in Vietnam. But based on my personal experiences with male teachers, especially military teachers, Mm -hmm. I did not doubt for a second when I read about this, when I read about all of this, that sexual assaults did happen. And this is not the first time that it has happened. It's just the first time that it has been reported or first time someone has spoken up. Um, Just a little bit of explanation for our listeners who are not Vietnamese and don't really understand the Vietnamese school system. So if you're in university or college, they would send you away, I think around, correct me if I'm wrong, because I also didn't go to college in Vietnam, but they would send you away for like one or two months? Somewhere between a week and two months. Okay, yeah. So they would send you away for a period of time to military camps to learn military training um to train you on like i don't know military disciplines and using weapons not like real weapons just like props <laughs> i actually don't know but yeah i actually don't know shit <laughs> in short we're traumatized by the war so we just want to mm-hmm. prep our the future generations for it so that's mm-hmm. what we're doing we just send kids away to military camps for a period of time and then um, you go back and continue your study like normal. So they'll send like away the whole school essentially. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have to go away for military training in high school when we were in Vietnam, but we had mm-hmm. like military classes in school. So that's when like those people from military camps would come in and train us. And I totally agree with you with my experiences. Once I heard the rumors, I don't need to know anything else. I just First of all, I always believe the victims. But second of all, with our experiences being women and being through the Vietnamese educational system, bro, I have no doubts. Like, I'd be like, I could see it happen. Yeah, like I I could see it happening to like anyone, even like any of my friends, even. We went to the same class together. I saw Mm -hmm. how some male teachers treated you at the time because like you were like one of the prettier ones in the class. Like, it didn't sit right with me at first and it still didn't sit right with me currently. Yeah, honestly. And how people react on the internet, like instead of questioning why military people would do this to citizens, they start to ask for proof. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why do you need to see proof of someone getting assaulted? Like, imagine if it's your friend or family or someone you love, have some empathy. Yeah. Like, why do you... The proof is for the court, like just for people who do the investigation. It's not up to you. Like, what proof do you need to see? Like, how traumatizing must it be for you to believe something bad happened or to believe that this is a day-to-day experience of literally every female ever? Mm -hmm. I think it's also really interesting that you brought up the fact that people are obsessed with evidence and overanalyzing evidence. Mm-hmm. Jordan Peele was very right when he was talking about like spectacle. I think we're collectively are just so obsessed with spectacle. Everything is a spectacle to us. Mm-hmm. Even sexual assault. It's almost like how people on TikTok are obsessed with true crime. That's how obsessed we were with this. You know, mm-hmm. it terrifies me to be a woman in Vietnam, honestly. Like not only mm-hmm. I have to 
worry about my safety. I also have to worry about like the shaming, the victim blaming, the videotaping, and now like the cyber doxing, because if I happen to be in that video, people will find my social media through a trace of like, I don't know, my fucking fingernail, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, no doubt. It's almost like normalized to dox people with those kind of evidence, mm -hmm. even with the people who are siding with the victims, they still participate in the whole analyzing of the evidences and the videotapes and everything. And I think no matter what side you're on, the internet is just absolutely obsessed with the spectacle of woman abuse. Yeah. I honestly think like the mental violation and like the cyber abuse is just as damaging as the actual physical assault. And like, mm -hmm. I can't imagine how you could ever recover from an incident like that. Like totally. there's absolutely no real safety for femme bodies here, like period, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I also want to talk about the conversation that surrounds this incident. Again, we want to repeat ourselves and reiterate the fact that we don't know what truly happened. Everything is speculations. I'm talking about the conversation that surrounds this allegation. And it baffles me how the center of this whole chaotic bullshit is usually <laughs> some half-baked male opinionist on Facebook. You know, it's always mm -hmm. like the think pieces, like the wall of text that you see from some male half-baked journalists on Facebook get shared around. Like it's a single source of reason in the midst of confusion. Yeah. And I just, I can't. I don't fucking care. Or do I need to hear the men's take in a sexual assault case, especially when y'all have done enough to gaslight the victim's stories, mm. you know? Don't even pretend that you don't know what I'm talking about because I've seen y'all sharing the same post on my timeline from this one guy that doesn't even make fucking sense. Like, it just sounds like he was trying to fill up the word count. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, uh, it's crazy how men always find a way to center things around themselves, mm -hmm. you know? Whether the case actually happened or not, it just showed me how quick the Vietnamese online community choose the what-ifs instead of the victims. And mm -hmm. somehow, when everything was still speculated, and we have the girl stories on one side and the men think pieces on the other, you still think the latter is more credible? <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? Buck wild. And like, the littlest thing that men do, they get applauded for it. Even in this case, like the pick-me-men on my timeline... Like, they, they were literally crying on social media about how they wish they didn't see the news today because it's so devastating. Girl, <laughs> I wish y'all acquire some critical thinking about what you just said because I would love to turn off my phone and my TV to not see women getting assaulted. Oh, wait, that's like my fucking reality every day. And I know a lot of people are going to spin this around like they always do with literally anyone who choose to speak up in Vietnam because God forbid a Viet person has an opinion of their own and it has any sort of concern with the government or military. So again, no, I'm not fucking talking about the government or whatever political regime. <laughs> It's just so y'all don't spin my word around. I'm talking about the work that we have to do as a society and individually, mm -hmm. we have so much to do to protect our women. And I know that we were talking about this 
military case specifically. Mm-hmm. But we just want to put it out there that, like, we, we say this to address the reality of what it's like to be a woman in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And that not even for a single second did we doubt that anyone was lying about being assaulted or abused. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. The last time I came back home, I remember someone asking me, this was a guy, by the way, but I'm not going to review his identity because <laughs> it's kind of complicated. But like he was basically asking me, like, do I see myself living in Canada for the rest of my life or do I ever see myself moving back home? And I'm like, I honestly don't know. I still love Vietnam a lot, but I don't feel safe as a woman in Vietnam. I just don't feel comfortable living my day-to-day life in Vietnam, dressing the way I dress, talking the way I talk. Mm -hmm. And he went on a tangent for like 30 to 40 minutes, basically gaslighting me about like how Mm. safe it is for everyone to be in Vietnam. You know, like he didn't even take into account the fact that I was a woman. Even went to the extent of arguing with his partner who was sitting in the same table Because she was agreeing with me about her experience as a woman in Vietnam. And this woman has lived in Vietnam her entire life. This is why women don't want to speak up about their experience in general. Because Because the best case is they get gaslight. The best case is they get gaslight. Literally. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Um, Oh, it's so sad. So that one small instance, you know, it's just a simple, lighthearted question. And you still Mm -hmm. get gaslit. Imagine voicing about your Me Too story. I would never, if I don't have this podcast, I would never share my story to mm. anyone in Vietnam. Maybe to my circle, but like I'm not gonna put it out there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm no. not gonna <laughs> put it on a platform because people have a very acute definition of what is considered misogyny and what is considered actual sexual assault in Vietnam. You know, it's like it has to be violent. It has to be like forced. Mm -hmm. There has to be some sort of physical alteration. Like there has to be fighting back. The woman has to say no. It's just like, it's like a bullet list that a woman has to Mm -hmm. surpass in order to be validated for her experience. Being assaulted. (laughs) Isn't that fucking crazy? Buck wild. And anything that remotely deviates from that list will guarantee you some sort of gaslighting. Did it really happen? You know, again, Mm -hmm. some victim blaming. What were you wearing? Did you really say no? Your body was turned Mm -hmm. on. Like, you still went through with it. Like, you're still still alive. alive. (laughs) Exactly. So, like, and people don't realize, like, the complexity of a fight or flight situation. Mm-hmm. when you're in that situation you froze yeah <laughs> or your body would respond in its own hormonal reaction like this is an out-of-body experience for you like you just don't know how to react yeah if you've never gone through something like that just shut the fuck up like don't take up space and like you're also making it difficult for your fellow men to speak up about these things and like challenge the system and do better I think we also spent like way too much time when Amber Heard versus Johnny Depp was happening. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting to see how <laughs> the Vietnamese online community is utterly obsessed with the case. Yeah. That was the first time that I see a Western piece of media is so acquainted with the Vietnamese population. Like we participate in the yeah. Western pop culture, but like we haven't been that invested in literally anything, not even fucking yeah. World Cup. It's just 
so interesting to see the collective witch hunt for Amber Heard from the Vietnamese community because I think she just embodies all the internalized misogyny that people want to voice, but they don't have the scapegoat to do it, you know? Mm, Oh my god, like it's like a a deep sigh that people finally let out, like finally a woman who's bad enough to make my misogyny palatable, you know? Like I'm gonna put out all my pent up, my hatred for women on this one single Mm -hmm. person that doesn't even know you, by the way, (laughs) (laughs) is richer than you. And also... I'm sure she doesn't care about your opinion, especially when it's in Vietnamese. (laughs) Like, who the fuck cares? It's so (laughs) interesting to me. The reason why I said, in this case, Amber Heard was the scapegoat is because you can see the stark contrast between how people treated Johnny Depp versus how people treated her. And Mm -hmm. mind you, this is a domestic violence case. That means no one is the better person in this case. They're both equally shitty partners Mm -hmm. to each other. We don't know what was going on in their bedroom or in their house. That sounds weird, but we don't know what's going on, you know? (laughs) Like, And for you to assume like Amber was just the shittier person and in turn basically glorifies Johnny Depp and just sanitize him and considered him to be just like the holiest of person. Yeah, the most righteous. Yeah, the most righteous man. Like, this man can do no wrong just because he was in this franchise once that was really popular in Vietnam back in the days. Like, why? (laughs) Yeah, crazy. I always see that as, like, the case study for the internalized misogyny the Vietnamese online community has. I never thought of it like that, but you're absolutely right. (laughs) Yeah, it's been really hot and heavy. Let's go to our usual segment. What's a feeling that's stuck with you this week? The overarching theme for me this week is depression. The grand scheme of it all is just, again, like (laughs) the lived experience of being a woman is just terrible. Like, I don't want to talk about it. Exhausting. Exhausting. (laughs) Um, But also going through like a little bit of a quarter life crisis. You know, I have a nine to five. And I kind of dread my nine to five. I really dread my nine to five, actually. Like, I'm not happy about it at the moment. Who doesn't? I know. (laughs) I think my life is boring in the sense that it lacks purposes. Like, I don't really have another hobby besides what I do for work. And that's not good. Yeah. So I kind of need another hobby. Mm -hmm. And I also feel like my life at the moment is very straight. Like... I'm in a long-term relationship with a man. My friends here are straight. And being bisexual, I just don't get to tap into my queer culture. I have like a solid group of friends in Vietnam who are mostly queer. And I think that's why I thrive so much lifestyle-wise, I think, in Vietnam. Because I get Mm -hmm. to tap into my queer side a lot. And like over here, it's just like, so cookie cutter i'm every fucking 25 year old who lives downtown in toronto Mm -hmm. so i recently started taking vogue dancing classes um just to find myself a queer space to safely express myself to tap into my bisexuality more i love that for you people think tapping into bisexuality means like you have to explore dating like the same gender and stuff I'm perfectly happy with my man Mm. it's just like I want to be in touch with the culture that I grew up with you know like 
I just need to I just need to be with the gays (laughs) I need to be with the gays I just can't (laughs) function with my so 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 straight group of friends all the time I cannot imagine your life (laughs) no offense (laughs) I'm not even joking I cried yesterday just thinking about how straight my life is Oh my gosh. And it's so sad because like, first of all, I'm already like an introvert. I don't know how to make new friends. So to go out and find new friends who are also queer, like so challenging. It's especially difficult when you're always straight passing. Yeah. Right? Like everything in my life is like straight presenting. Like I'm like, I'm a star. Please, I'm a star. I'm sorry. Truly, I'm laughing, but I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you can laugh. It's fine. Yeah. What about you? What's the feeling that stuck with you this week? Um, I'm just gonna keep it short. I don't feel like elaborating on this. <laughs> um, a feeling that stuck with me this week is that I don't know where my boundaries are. <laughs> I need to set them up, but I don't know where they are, what they are. Um, and that needs to change again like this is also me being vulnerable it's not an invitation for any of y'all listening to this to (laughs) (laughs) to overstep my non-existent boundaries (laughs) don't take advantage of me um i'm gonna figure it out and once i've got that done it's over for you, bitches. Yeah. I've said this so many times. It's never <laughs> over. <laughs> it's just over for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's one struggle after the other. So don't worry. Game's still on. <laughs> I try not to kill myself. <laughs> <laughs>